0: This episode of Hockey Press Pass is presented in part by the Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village. Unplug your game, buy board games, play board games, food and drink, fun, and friends. This could be special. Shootout win Oliver Wallstrom in the ninth round after 0 for 17. All right, fresh after nine straight denials from Semyon Varlamov. After some bad moments early on from him, he stands on his head when the Islanders need him most. They get the sweep of the Flyers, and the Islanders get another huge two points. For Chris Botta, I'm Pat Boyle. This is Islanders 4 check bonus series of hockey press pass. And Chris, we are just moments after the game has just finished here, recording on Tuesday night. The Islanders need every point they can get, right? We're going to keep talking about it, this playoff push, which so many people think is is undoable. And I've said from the beginning, I'm not wavering. I think this is very doable. If they win games like tonight and they win games like the other day, they had to beat the Flyers, a team that is totally reeling right now, still coming off of some COVID stuff. The Islanders thrash them on Monday, and then this game – There was a lot of mistakes early on. But look, at the end of the day, you've heard me say it before. I'll continue to say it time and time again. Two points is two points. Varlamov, again, whether it was the bank shot off the boards or that terrible giveaway for the second goal, he was brilliant when the Islanders needed him most. Nine straight saves in the uh, the, the shootout. Sezika's incredible redirection on that goal to tie the game and the Islanders held strong. And Oliver Wallstrom, don't know why he went ninth in the in the shootout, which I'm sure you'll touch on more, but thank God they had him. And the Islanders get another two points.
1: In the category of whatever it takes, Pat, yes, they got the win. And it does beg the question, why would Oliver Wallstrom, who has the best hands on the team, doesn't always equate to being the best shootout performer. I get that. We've seen that through the years. Tavares wasn't that good in the shootout, for example. Why did it go to nine who knows? But you take these two points, you get it the, on the bus or on the train or whatever way they're finding their way back home tonight, you take the four over two nights, and you just move on. We're going to hear a lot about how they didn't beat the rare good team they've played lately in Washington, and I totally get that. Uh, and there, this team needs to continue to get better they are just they've gone from being a bad team to an okay team i don't think this coaching staff would tell you anything other than that so they bank the points as barry trotz loves to say he wants to accumulate those points but there's still plenty on that videotape for them to watch the next few days before their next game to correct and get
0: better at yeah i mean yeah just just a touch on last saturday because obviously it looks great when we just talk about the last two games here with the flyers uh, but yeah Saturday i mean they were they were almost unwatchable almost unwatchable um barely got the barely got pucks on the net which i know is a case for most of the time but you know at some point like that's going to be the thing that takes them to the next level how can they then go from being an okay team which they've gotten back to to then being back to the playoff team that we and the Stanley Cup competing team that we all have the expectations to and you know the power play now has kind of slipped back to you know just being Almost just like, oh, hey, if we score, it's almost a bonus. Not as if, you know, where's the urgency that they had on the power play in the last couple of games prior to Washington. And, um, you know, again, how is this team going to get goals? Because you can't rely on your defense to, you know, get 16 blocks and 30 hits a night and and Varlamov or Sorokin to stand on their head and only give up one or two goals. They're going to need some goals going forward. And, um, you know, again, you get them against the, the Flyers, you get three in regulation and you get four the other night. But how can they score against the better defensive teams in the league? That's going to be the big question for this team going forward.
1: Yeah, no, they're going to need to get hot. They're going to need to find a way. These upcoming games against Arizona, all home games, Toronto, the Flyers again, L.A., Seattle, Minnesota, Ottawa. By the way, Ottawa has beaten some very good teams lately. None of these are easy, winnable games by any stretch. Not for this team. So, look, this was a crazy one on Tuesday night in Philadelphia. Carter Hart and Semyon Valamov, they had their moments where they were a disaster, where they were all over the place, and then other moments where they were spectacular. So it kept things interesting. It kept things fun. But you just look, they are 3-1 and in this 11-game stretch that takes them to February 1. Then what would have been the Olympic break, there'll be some rescheduled games uh, within there. But... We we set a course here a couple weeks ago to look at these eleven games. Now they're three and one going into playing Arizona on Friday, and we will see what happens. But I guess what I would say about this win tonight, Pat, is that you know they kind of survive and advance to the next one. If they were to lose this one, not like get any points before our uh, uh, key goal, that would be a big hole, a big problem for
0: them. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So. Uh, we would be having a much different conversation. And I think we'd still be uh, having a different conversation if they lost that shootout because, you know, again, I'm seeing Varlamov make save after save. And after the third and fourth round and fifth round, I'm like, geez, can we just get one goal? And it takes nine times, nine saves for them to finally score. So even that in and of itself was frustrating. I'm ready to pull my hair out of my head watching Matty Barzell just kind of do the Patrick Kane, just chop it up, just shoot the puck. Shoot the puck already, Matty. You got one of the best shots in the NHL. Shoot the puck. And Carter Hart's not a Vezina winner tr- uh, goaltender. But, um, you know, that's funny, too. You mentioned before how Ottawa's been winning some games just really quickly here for five seconds. I had a parlay last week. Uh, Flames to beat the Senators and the Predators to beat the Sabres. When do you ever think that loses? They both lost by three goals. So I thought that was hilarious. But, um, you know, just some other things here on this game tonight, too. Um Chara throwing knuckles at forty-four years old. That was incredible to see. I don't know why you'd ever go toe-to-toe with him. Um, you know, I think I, I forget who they were trying to go after initially. He steps in and um, you know, just delivers a knockout punch. It was almost. a
1: hit on it was a hit on uh, Scott Mayfield that he didn't like. Yep. And then Chara stepped in and did what he's supposed to do and is always the gentleman. He injures the guy. He hits him pretty hard, and then he checks in on him to see if how he's doing and if he's okay.
0: Yeah, give Zach McEwen credit for going, uh, trying to throw with him. But I mean, that was not, that was not going to end well at all. But I mean, even then, like the Chara experiment. You know, I was trying to defend him at first. I'm like, all right, give him some time to get settled in. He's just slow. Uh, he he is just so slow. And that goal, I mean, that was pathetic. It was like a goddamn slip and slide. Him and. Watching him in Mayfield trying to catch Claude Giroux, who's no speedster anymore by, you know, by his own right, still a great you know, legend, future Hall of Famer, but uh, one bad pass, and all of a sudden he breaks away from them in a split second. It's like, how he you? you know, Char can't skate. He's like diving after him. And yeah, I thought after that 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 was going to be the beginning of what, what was going to be a collapse.
1: Well, he, uh, when it comes to Chara, the coaches are playing him, continuing to play him regularly. He does his good things. But it can be exposed at times, and you just hope, if you're the Islanders, they're kind of gambling here, that if you're going to play them 22 minutes like they did on Monday night, a team-high 22 minutes, you know, is that going to be too much, especially when you're going up against back-to-backs? Hey, one of the good things here is a big theme from tonight is goaltending. That was great. And also... For us at times and we have a former goaltender who's going to be joining us on the show in a little bit who's now an analyst too so it'll be great to bring on eric v show and get his take on not just his time with the islanders but the goaltending around the islanders as well
0: yep for chris bada this is pap oil you're listening to islanders for check a bonus episode series of hockey press pass <laughs> Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and games for play. Food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up tabletop board games to your family. Their staff will help you find the right board game for you. From card and party games to games for families to strategy games, we have it all. Get off your screens and unplug your game for a night your family will remember. Looking for groups to join? Our Magic, The Gathering, Dungeons & Dragons, or Warhammer communities are welcoming for all. Located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Go to MainStreetBoardGameCafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd. Unplug your game.
1: Back on Islanders Fork check and I am just so pleased to have a, a young friend join us. He was on the Islanders in the mid to late 90s. Was a goaltender, uh, a terrific guy, a fan favorite, it was part of an interesting and challenging time for the Islanders, of course. Uh, former first round pick of the Toronto Maple Leafs in 1994, Memorial Cup winner, MVP, uh, and now an analyst on TV Sports. And that's Eric Fischow. So great to see you, Eric. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thank you. Um, before we talk about your time on Long Island, I certainly wanted to start with your thoughts on the Islanders of today. They are just coming off a home-and-home. Home. They've got all four points against Philadelphia, went to the ninth round of the shootout. So let me ask you this, by the way. Would you have enjoyed being all the shootout attempts that Semyon Val- Valama saw today? Yeah,
2: I think it's always fun for goalies and shootouts. Well, first of all, back in my days, we had a lot of the- – you know, draws. So now you can win in overtime, shootouts. It's a good challenge for any goalies, I think. And Yeah, I think I would have enjoyed it, yeah.
1: Would you have kept a buck on all the shooters, or is it something where you really have to go by instinct? I think you have to read
2: the play. I mean, some goalies like to know in advance, you know, like the tendencies of shooters, but uh, I don't know. I think each goalie is different, I guess there's so uh, there's so much re- research now you know on players and goalies the game changed the game evolved so much with iPads on benches so i guess a little different but so i think some goalies well in my time i think the goalies were they were more like try to read the plays maybe not know too much in advance i guess you know time changes but now everything is so pre- well prepared well researched i guess it's just a new era of goaltending
0: Hey Eric, just uh, looking at the Islanders goalie situation here. You know, came into the season, it was Varlamov and Sorokin, and they were expected maybe to kind of be fifty-fifty split. Um, I think so far to start the season, Sorokin's been the clear-cut number one. What would you make of uh, the early season start here for Ilya Sorokin, and, and your overall thoughts on him as a goaltender?
2: I'm really impressed with his uh, with his plays, and when he came last year, I wasn't sure a lot of goalies had success in the. Uh, in the KHL, and they had a hard time when they came here. The transition wasn't as as uh, easy as they thought, but in this case, he's been playing really well, and obviously the fact that Vardamov was hurt at the beginning of the year gave him a chance to prove he could be number one, and I strongly believe uh, he's going to be a good number one goaltender in the NHL for a long time, and uh, I think the Islanders have a, a tough choice to make because Vardamov's got one year left, $5 million, uh, and he could be a good, you know, like a, a good asset to trade, maybe to get some help offensively. And because I believe Sorokin proves he can be a good number one goaltender. He play. I, I worked on the game on Monday and he was terrific against, well, I guess the Flyers. He made some big stops and uh, he's so calm in his net. Technically, he's really solid, he's in control. And uh, he's, uh, he, you know, for a guy that uh, it's only his second year in the NHL. Like he's been playing like a like a ten year veteran.
1: And Eric, just following up on Sorokin, the yeah. one thing—well, I guess two things—that that seemed to be a little bit of a flaw in his game, and maybe we're asking too much, is that he he has been outstanding. If there was—if you were to nitpick him, it's that occasionally he'll let in a soft one, a rest shot that seems uh, so, uh, stoppable. You know, the kind that you would expect him to stop. Almost like as if it's a focus every once in a while. And then the other issue, and, and Butch Goring has brought this up, and I know nothing about this, so I'm counting on you, buddy. Butch Goring says... Points out a lot that his he's too far back in his net at times. Is that a former Stanley Cup champion forward center uh, saying uh, being critical? By the way, you know Butch being crit- overly critical of a goalie, or is that something that's
2: okay because that works for Sorokin? Well, it all depends on goalies. A lot of a lot of them like to play deeper in their net, so it's easier for them to you know move side to side. Lundqvist was like that in, with New York. He was so deep in his net, and what happened is he was able to, you know, make some saves on lateral passes, you know, because he was so deep in his net. So I don't know. I mean, I've I've seen it played a few games um, about the the bad goals once in a while. While I get, you know, he's still a young goalie. It's only second year in the NHL. It's gonna happen. Uh, and the other thing we have to um, you have to think about is the Islanders don't score a lot of goals. You know, so they have one of the worst offense in the league. And for any goalies playing in front of a team that doesn't score a lot of goals, puts a lot of pressure on you. You don't have a lot of, you know, you're, uh, if you make a mistake or you give it bad goals, it could be the game. So that adds pressure to any goalies that is going to play for a team that scores two goals a game, three sometimes. So that's something I think you have to, uh, uh, think about too. No,
1: that's a great point, Eric. And then uh, following up on Semyon Barmalov, and you, you took the words out of my mouth in that Pat and I, when we do the show, we have—we happen to have this optimistic view that the Islanders have just played 32 games or so. They have all these games in hand. We understand the percentages. We understand that it would take another miracle on ice probably to make the playoffs. But while they're yeah. winning in this stretch, they still, you know, they're giving themselves a chance. So so we have an optimistic view of this and we know the Islanders aren't going to talk about any kind of a trade right now. They're not looking to trade young players for assets down the road. That said, if in the next few weeks the math then becomes impossible. Right. Even the most faithful Islander fan, and you know a lot of them, uh, can't believe anymore. Semyon Varlamov, I would think it's a possibility he could be the best goaltender available on the trade market. What do you think, Eric?
2: Well, him and Flurry, for sure. I mean, they would they would be another good pick you know, for, uh, for a team that's looking for goalies. Uh, but Varlamov is younger, and he's got one year left. Flurry as is, is UFA is older, you know, is at the end of, is almost at the end of his career. So for yeah, I agree with you. I think Varlamov could be a player that you would trade to get some, something really good in return. Uh, the question is, do the Islanders want to have two good goalies? Because that's been the case the last few years, even with with Leonard. You know, that's the new tendency in the NHL is to have a good uh, duo. You know, like a good uh, team not just one guy that plays a lot of games, unless you have a guy like Vasilevsky or, you know, like like really, really elite goaltender. I'm not saying varlamov is not an elite goaltender. I think he's one of the good ones in the NHL. But um, because of his contract, because of the way Sorokin's been playing since last year, if if they have enough confidence in him, they could trade varlamov I I would think that it would be a good thing. Um, they need help. They need help to score goals. Barzal and obviously Barzal's been is their best forward, but he needs more guys to help to help him score goals because it's been the same problem with the Islanders in the last few years. Defensively, they play great system with Barry Trotz. It's always been you know it's, it's been working, and they're comfortable in in winning games two one one zero. You know, that lowering scoring games that's their style of play and that's all right. But you, you need some goals at, and if you look the the last. Well, the last two years they lost to Tampa Bay Lightning. That was the problem. Couldn't score any goals. And adding another forward could help, you know, the team.
0: Yeah, Eric, you know, continuing the theme here with the goaltenders, uh, I think we're, we're pretty blessed in New York. We've got a, a lot of good ones. You know, Varlamov, Sorokin, Igor Shosturkin's been tremendous this year for the Rangers. What are, uh, what are your favorite qualities or characteristics that you look for in a goaltender, and who's been your favorite to watch in the, uh, in the NHL this year?
2: Well, you, you just mentioned Sh- uh, Shesterkin. He, he's been he's been unbelievable. One of the best I've seen this year. And one of his quality, I would I would think, is, is, posi- is positioning. He's always in the right place. He doesn't over push. Rarely you're going to see him out of his net. So he's always in control. And, and I think the key now, the game is so fast, you want to be able to not, not only make the first save, but be in the right position for the rebounds. And Shesterkin... It's been really solid. Doesn't give a lot of bad goals in his game. He's consistent, and uh, he's—I wouldn't say he's, my, he's a he's a big surprise for me this year because I knew he was good, but I think his game reached a different level this year. I mean, you got Veselovsky. I believe is in the different league. He's the best in the league. no, no one comes even close to him. But Chesterkin is not that far behind. Did you know
1: Zdeno Chara was a teammate of yours? And the New York uh, Island. Now <laughs> that's you, insane. you have not aged a bit. But, <laughs> like, so, like, what do you remember about, one, being his teammate, two, his play at that time, um, and what he's become as a citizen and as a yeah. future Hall
2: of Famer? Well, as a person, he's one of the nicest guy. I remember getting along really good with him. Back, you know, when even when he was a rookie, he was t- st- teaching me words and his language, and we had a lot of fun. And I, I even saw saw him, I don't know, maybe 10 years after, that he was now, like, a superstar in the NHL, and he had the same personality, same nice guy, great person. So happy that he was able to play so many years, still playing. He's going to go in the Hall of Fame. He deserves it. And, um, and I remember, you know, like, you obviously... He had a lot of work to do to become what you know what he became over the years. I to be honest with you, I didn't think he was gonna play that long in the NHL the first time I saw him because he was falling all over the place, his balance was wasn't there, but but obviously with the size that he had and his attitude and, and the fact that he's like a hard working guy, he improved. Every year he was getting better and better and and you know he became what we we, uh, we, we were able to witness over the years one of the you know, great defensemen. And the, what I like about his game is, obviously, with his shot, he was an offensive, defensive man you know, for a lot of years in the NHL. But he was able to adapt his game because the game changed and became so fast. And he, wasn't the, he, he never was the fastest skater. But because of his reach, because he's, a, he's got a high uh, hockey IQ, he was able to adapt to his game. That's the reason he's he was able to play so many years and still plays to this you know, to this day.
1: Now that it's been, you know, about twenty five years or so and you have the wisdom of being a more seasoned uh, man and, and an <laughs> I analyst don't know about
2: that.
1: and an analyst on <laughs> on TV, uh, when you look back at your time at Dallas and we'll talk about off the ice and friendships and and you know being on long island but when you look at back at your career obviously the team struggled but you know what did you take from that how do you look back at that time
2: well even if if uh it was you know like hard years for 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 the islanders and we didn't have, we didn't have much success for me personally it was something special because that's where that's a, when i start playing the nhl that's where i played my first game i won my first game and and so for me you know i have way more good memories than bad ones i mean obviously i wish we could have won more games and i wish we could have you know um made the playoffs and you know stay uh, as a team instead of training guys and and, and, and maybe if looking back now you know when i got called up at 20 years old it might have been young during that time i i probably would have been better for me to play a full year in the american hockey league you know to work on my game and and maybe wait an extra year to you know make the jump to the nhl but obviously as a 20 year old you know goalie you get the phone call i, I believe it was bob froze that called me and said hey kid you need to go to practice tomorrow so i didn't say uh, i'm not ready or i, I want to wait an extra year i just you know I uh, I grabbed my equipment and I drove to Long Island and you know I started playing. But um, the, the fact, you know, being a young goalie and we didn't we didn't have like the team was struggling, so it's never easy to play in the NHL as a young goalie, not having success. Uh, it's easy to um, to to, to use, lose yourself in, in that, but. Uh, but overall, you know, I, I really enjoy everything. Just playing the NHL, you know, meet, like like you said, meeting a lot of good people. Uh, a lot of them I still talk to this day, and and just learning to become a professional. Um, it's a it's a hard thing to do, and uh, I know now if you look back, you know, the, the way that they're treating the young players it's so different. I mean, we live. We had a 19-year-old, 20-year-old, 21-year-old living in the same house. I don't think you would see that today. So right there, that's a big, big difference. Remind me and the audience, who, who did you live with? I was living with Brian McCabe and Brian Barrar. So we were three three young guys living together and, uh, well, living the life of the of 20, you know, like early 20 uh, hockey players. So... So now, I mean, every time there's a young guy, a lot of times he's, g- he's going to stay with a veteran, or they want to make sure you know he's got to learn to become a professional and and uh, make sure that he doesn't lose his way, you know, during because there's there's a lot of change, obviously, when you start becoming a, a professional hockey player. But uh, you know, it, it was a fun time, and um, I wish I played more years in the NHL, but I wish I played more years with the Islanders because I really enjoy. Living
0: there, I, I like the people, I everything. You know, if if we could have had more success as a team, it would have been perfect. Yeah, Eric. Just one last one for me. One, have you? Do you plan on going to the new arena, the UBS Arena? And uh, two, um, you know, we talk about playing under pressure and expectations. I think the Islanders, with the expectations they had going into the season, now are expected to get two points or have to get two points almost every time they step on the ice to make the playoffs. Do you think that's feasible? Do you think the Islanders can can make the playoffs after such a rough start?
2: Well, to answer your first question, yeah, I, I hope I, I'm able to go soon. Obviously, with the pandemic, you know, it, it changed a lot of things for traveling uh, for for us. But, uh, yeah, in the future, I would like to see the new building. It looks great. I heard good things about it. Uh, and I've been back to the, to the island a few times, uh, my... My equipment manager uh, Joe McMahon has a golf tournament every uh, every year and every summer, and I was able to go back a few times uh, to play golf and to meet all the uh, uh, like New York Islanders uh, alumni players. So, um, so I've been back on the island, but I, you know, I, I hope I'm I uh, have the chance to see the new building. And to your second question, well, it is possible, but uh, obviously um, they don't have. I mean, they. They can't really make a lot of mistakes until the end of the year. They have to go on this on a winning streak. I know they just won two games now, but they're gonna they gonna have to go like seven, eight games and try to get back in that race. And starting on the road for 13 games, it's never easy. So um, I believe that they thought going back to their their home building would be easy, but it you know it was it wasn't the case. They, it, it took a few games before they, they had their first win at home. And it's always hard when when you have a bad start, try to get back to playoff. But the way Barrett shots has the system, and the way if some guys can start going offensively with the goalies they have, I think it's possible.
1: Your analysis has been so great, by the way. I could see, I could see Eric Oyatevea well, Sports loves having you, having <laughs> you. you on the air. You, 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 this has been a treat so far having you. I have a couple more questions about your time on the island. You know, you were there not too long. But at least two kind of infamous notorious things at least two uh legendary things happen that now we could look back on and, and smile and, and we certainly had our last while we were there uh, together one of them being the fisherman jersey you know in your meeting <laughs> okay there's your answer in your meeting in your media guide pictures, you're either wearing the fisherman jersey or then we went to the wave. By the way, my mom uh, dug this up. She found this. It's the folder and the press release. I'm showing it. you. It's a classic. Yeah, it's the <laughs> press release announcing the fisherman jersey from all those years ago. I have a neighbor who flies flags like Georgia Bulldogs and Islanders, and and they currently have a Fisherman Jersey flag up. It's amazing to think that now it's been uh, a lot of people love it. But what do you remember about it? And what did you think about it at the
2: time? Well, at the time I didn't, I didn't hate it, but uh, obviously I wasn't like a Long Island, like a New York Islanders fan before. So I could understand the reaction of changing their logo for for this, and I'm wondering if we if we had success during that time, how people would see it. Because now it's attached to bad years. It's like a bad time. It's a bad era for the New York Islanders. So not only the people didn't like the logo. Uh, I mean, I remember the the chants. You know, we want fish dicks. You know, like I remember that. And um, but because it was a bad, you know, like we had such a hard time on the ice during that time. It, it makes it even worse um but uh for me personally i don't know i thought it was cool i was trying to do something with my my mask with i had like a hook like the fisherman hook on my mask i was trying to be original with you know with the logo i don't maybe because i was i was younger i didn't think much of it but looking back now and seeing the people's reaction of the logo i mean i can't obviously the 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 original one is way better you know it's you don't want to change like like something like a classic especially with 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 you know like the the success they had in the 80s you know so um you know i think now if you you take that jersey the original jersey it's way better
1: yeah and you know when you think about it it was only 10-12 years since the dynasty now it's all these years later right but if you think yes. about it now it just seems like such a short time to yes. eliminate to eliminate a logo and then the other one is john spano and kevin Connolly. uh the actor did a great documentary on espn it no, was great, great. yeah well, yes. wasn't it great and it must have brought, i know it was kind of like a horror movie for me looking looking at it at times um and i you know spano wasn't he was around the office. I don't think he was around the team that much because he was so shy and withdrawn. But I remember two functions. Oh, we don't lie. You
2: know <laughs>
1: why. Yeah, now, we, now it adds up. You're right. Uh, yeah, it was a little slower to catch on. Um, but there were, he, he hosted two things. One, I don't know if you all remember both. One was he had a party after he was kind of officially announced to the fans at the Garden City Hotel. I don't even know if he showed up, but I remember having to like tell all the players to bring your wives after a game. And then the other one, I think you were there was when the team played in Dallas Spano, who had a home in Dallas probably felt obligated. Like, how can I not do this? But he invited the team, I think to dinner at the house the night before a game. What do you remember about the whole
2: episode? I remember being in Dallas with the whole team in his big house with his billionaire friends well i guess they were or or extra rich friends <laughs> or, or actors yeah like, yeah he could have been yeah exactly and uh yeah i remember that night in dallas that uh, we were able to go to his house and all we could hear was how rich he was and he was gonna get Sergei fedorov i don't know if you remember that the big you know it was like you remember that yeah. And, and I, the, the thing I remember about him is uh, one time we were in the stands, people cheering his name. I never heard anyone cheering the owners' names in any any cities <laughs> in hockey. Um, and he was like a super, like 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 a rock star when he came in. Is this new guy? He's got a lot of money. He's gonna he's gonna get some 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 superstars around the NHL. He's, he's got the you know he's able to do it because he's rich. Obviously, it didn't happen, but um, I don't remember. I, I met him a few times, but I remember the night in Dallas. You,
1: you, know, you have such a, a great attitude in terms of looking back. I remember you, at one point, you briefly retired. I think you, then you played yeah. overseas. And yes. you, were, you were 26 years old at the time. You were only a year or two uh, removed from the Islanders. I remember reading your quotes. And just like thinking, and I've always kind of thought it that I've always wondered, and it's why it's so great to have you, uh, to be able to speak with you today. Um, Like, you know, was it, I know you had shoulder injuries, but was it the losing, was was any of this emotional grind or anything that maybe impacted your love for the game? And were you able to get it back? Or, you know, now you look back on it and you listen, you're working in the game and you're so widely respected, but... What was that about when you walked away, and and what was it about love for the game?
2: That's a good question. Not not a lot of people know about this or ask me about this, so I'm glad you're uh, you're asking me. Well, it was, I think, a lot of things. Uh, You talk about my my shoulder. I had three surgeries. I had one in New York, I had one in Nashville, and I had one with the Hurricanes in Carolina. So, um, no, sorry. I had one in Nashville, one in New York, and I had one later on in, in, in Hamilton, in Montreal's farm team. But during the time that uh, I decided to take a, a step back from hockey, uh, I had just no fun anymore. I've been hurt, traded, you know, I kind of lost the love for, for the game. And uh, I remember having, uh, I think it was like a PTO in the American Hockey League. And, and that kinda, that was hard because I was like, Hey, I've been playing in the NHL for a few years. I can't even, not only I can't even get a contract in the NHL, I can't even get like, like a PTO in the NHL. So I had a PTO in the AHL. So I went to uh, Manitoba Moose, who was, uh, I believe, was Vancouver's Canucks farm team at the time. I was only there for, for a month. My, my head wasn't there, so I, I decided to just go back home. For the first time in my life, I was home during the hockey season. It was kind of weird because all my friends were gone playing, you know, different places, different cities. And but uh, I, I I just needed some time for myself. And I think after Christmas, my agent called me and he said, uh, "I might have something for you in Germany, and it could be good if you play because if you don't play for a whole year, it's going to be really hard for you to come back from this." And um, I I was I didn't want to go, but I said, "You know what? I'll try see how it goes." So I went to Germany. I uh, had a lot of fun. I was there for 5 or 6 months. I played pretty good during the time I was there. So when I came back, uh, Montreal Canadiens decided to sign me for a 2-year deal. So I was back playing uh, as the, you know, in professional hockey in North America. So it was a big it was a big comeback for me and I just felt alive again. You know, I felt like I had that desire to play again and I ended up playing a few more years in, in the Montreal Canadiens. Farm team and I was up and down. I was mostly down, but I had a lot of fun in Hamiltons. Played with a bunch of guys. Played with uh, with Chris Higgins and, and you know Long Island boys. And they were telling me that him and Koby Sarek. They were like, yeah, we used to go see him play when we were twelve years old. I was like, yeah, thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> makes me feel old. Amazing. But, um, it was it was fun. You know, I, it, looking back, it was a good decision because I was able to play more years after this. Uh, but I was at the point that uh, I don't know, I don't know if it was because the expectation that I had on me and and, and the, being a first round pick and not being able to you know play at that level of hockey, getting hurt, getting traded. So when you put all this together, I just took a step back, but you know, end up being a good decision.
1: Oh, I'm very glad to hear that. And we end also on a happy note. Heard from uh, several fans when we announced that you are going to be joining the show and. You know, many of them said that you know they have fond memories of seeing you, whether it be at Vincent's Clam Bar across from the <laughs> mall, or Mulcahy's in Wantagh, which is now like bigger than ever. It's like it's gigantic. Never, never, never heard, never heard of that place. <laughs> I want to point out. Yes, he is kidding. Um, so overall, from your time with McKay, Berard, and any of your other teammates um yes so what do you as a uh, speaking for you i believe a, a bachelor at the time uh you know yes. what are your memories of, of the fun times off the ice
2: oh we had great times and i i believe living with young guys you know going through the same thing you know as a professional players you know learning to become a pro was great and um, for me personally I, it was funny because i'm french canadian you know, Brian Barrar is, is American from Rhode Island. And Brian McCabe, I believe is from Calgary. So we we you know, we come from three different backgrounds, but we, we got along so well because you spend a lot of time. I mean, if you live with your your teammate, you go to the ring together, you eat together, you know, you you live together, so you you spend more time, you know, the with your teammates than your old family. So you gotta get along real good, and we did. We had a great time. Uh, you talk about Vincent. We probably ate at Vincent five times a week easily we never cooked at home i think in the whole year we cooked full maybe once so uh, vincent was the place to go because he was good he was fast um, and i loved it and we i remember going to the movie theaters and going out and enjoying, you know just enjoying life in the nhl uh, as a young players and and having roommates it's always fun and uh, i i remember going to uh, Christmas over uh, Brian's house in, in Wood Socket, Rhode Island. Uh, so I had a great time, and, and even you know Scott LaChance and and you got Derek King, was coaching the Black Ops, and we had a great bunch of guys, honestly. And uh, and my first year, I believe before Claude lapointe came, I was the only French guy on the team, so it helped me a lot with my English because you know I didn't have any choice; I had to learn it. And being by myself. And I guess living with two, you know, two other guys helped me a lot. I made a lot of mistakes. I still do, but you know, they made fun of me. But it was it was all fun. It was all fun and uh you know it was a great time in my life. And every time I think about Long Island, it's it's mostly positive. I would say ninety five percent positive, five percent because you know, some hockey situation along the way, but I had a great time.
1: Uh, it's great to hear that. Uh, you made every day uh, in the office a joy. You were a joy to be around, your enthusiasm, uh, wanting to learn, get better, and have fun. Uh, and and it was just, uh, I understand that the wins weren't there. You always wish they were, um, but it counts for a lot that, you know, the friends that you made uh, from your teammates and other people in Long Island, everybody has just great memories of you here. So uh, thank you for that. And thank you for joining Pat and I uh, for the show today. This, this really means a lot. Maybe we could do it again down the road because your analysis of Sorokin and Barlamov and everything <laughs> else on the current team was just
2: fantastic. Thank you, Eric. It would, be, it would be my pleasure. Thanks for having me. It was great talking to you
0: again. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Eric. All right, fantastic stuff from the Eric show A huge thank you to Eric for once again joining us here, and that'll just about do it for this episode of Islanders 4 Check. For everybody here on the team that works so hard, we want to thank you again for listening, for Danny, Ksenia, and of course Chris. I'm Pat Boyle. Thanks for listening to Islanders 4 Check. A huge thank you again to Eric show for joining, and we'll see you with a brand new episode of Hockey Press Pass next week with a brand new guest. It will be Sarah Sivian from The Athletic.